You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 34 of Take About Podcast, or welcome to Take About Podcast. I'm Eli Tokash. And I'm Sydney Lucas. And today we have a little bit of a different guest. We talk about the realm of TikTok as well as Broadway and the rehearsal process and tech processes of making a new show um, and lots more with JJ Neiman. Yeah. And if you go check out his TikTok, it's just his name, JJ Neiman. And uh, he is extremely creative and talented and he finds a way to educate people, but in an entertaining way on TikTok about the Broadway world and and the theater world and he pretty much fuses Broadway and TikTok perfectly and he's so funny and uh this was such a blast. Yeah, so without uh further ado, JJ Neiman, curtain up. <laughs> <laughs> So today you may have seen our guest in Book of Mormon on Broadway, or most recently in the ensemble of Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, which speaking of, he now has over 550,000 followers on TikTok, accumulating over 30 million likes. He's been a main influencer on the theater TikTok, and it's been so cool to watch the combination of Broadway and TikTok and just keeping the Broadway magic alive and seeing this representation on social media. And clearly people are loving it. So welcome to the Take a Bow podcast, JJ Neiman. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. Welcome, we're so excited. Thank you, I am too. So let's let's talk about TikTok first, and then we'll we'll talk about Broadway and all that fun stuff. Okay. Um, what inspired you to like start creating TikToks? Well, I used to have a YouTube channel when I was younger. Um, so I, when I was like 12, 13, 14, um, and I was homeschooled for a few of those years. And so I was doing shows all the time and also just like, delving into the internet world, I guess. And I definitely, like, I stopped doing it for a few reasons because of, like, cyberbullying. The internet can be kind of brutal when you're, like, a kid, and I mm. just couldn't handle it. But also I... um you know, was going to college and everything for theater and was really busy. And I was like, I don't know, this might be kind of cringy if I keep, you know, keep doing this, um, which it wouldn't have been. I should have just kept doing it, but whatever. But yeah, so I stopped for a while. But when I came home during the pandemic, which I'm home here in North Carolina with my family, and I was like cleaning out, you know, I reorganized and redecorated everything. And I was cleaning out my closet and found all these wigs and stuff that my sisters had gotten me when I was younger for my videos. And I had just started using TikTok, like watching videos because I at first thought it was just like dancing teens. And I was like, maybe I'm a little too old for this. I don't know if this is my thing. But then, like you said, like I discovered this whole theater community on there. And I was like, you know what? I should just start making things for fun. Didn't take it very seriously at first. I started in like beginning of April of 2019. And then it kind of just slowly built from there and then really took off when I started making my like Broadway actor mic on off videos. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I feel like that I found kind of a niche with um, a lot of, theater kids because Broadway feels so like elite and like you know this grandiose thing to some people but it's like no we're all like goofballs we're all theater kids like <laughs> it's our job yes it's a job but like we have a lot of fun and are very silly and so I think pulling back the curtain and letting people kind of see that has been really interesting for a lot of people and funny for them too you know what I won't have a TikTok account but I have TikTok and so I can I can scroll and I can uh -huh. watch videos and stuff you 
have been on my for you page <laughs> so many times and I didn't even realize I didn't even put two and two together that it was you until last night when I was stopping your account for research purposes of course of course of course and <laughs> and like you said you you're you're not obviously you're not known for the TikTok dances or or mm-hmm. the you know the lip syncing videos but you're unique to TikTok because you have specific. I mean, you do a lot of things, but you ha- you normally do skits, and one mm-hmm. skit that you're well, super well known for is, like you said, what what happens when a Broadway actor's mic is on versus off. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what like what that specifically recurring skit is and what inspired it? Yes. So I didn't like plan for it to become like a thing or a series. I I was one day just like thinking about Waitress the musical. That was the first one I ever did. And I always thought it was so funny. There's shows like Waitress where when you go to see them, you sometimes just look in the back and like in the middle of all of these scenes, like the ensemble is chilling and they're just sitting <laughs> in these booths, like eating fake pie for like five, 10 minutes at a time. And I've always been like, what do they talk about? Like, in those kind of scenarios. And I'm like, probably kind of what we did at Book of Mormon, but in Book of Mormon, we never had a moment on stage to really talk, have full conversations like that. And I was like, that would be so funny to kind of show that, like them pretending to fake talk in a booth and then actually what they really say when their mics are off. <laughs> so that's kind of what inspired it. And then I did like one for Annie and Les Mis. And then it really blew up when I started doing them with quick changes and like creating, I can't believe I'm literally in my childhood bedroom, like in my closet, like quick changing, <laughs> changing wigs, having a fake dresser with me. But I think people don't realize that a lot of times when you're doing quick changes, how fast they are, you're singing during it. And like, people don't understand the mic on off thing. Like I still get so many comments of people like, how do you know when it's off? It's like, you know, like, cause you do it. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. But I, yeah, it's, it's been so interesting to see that kind of take off and like, um, also get shared around a lot on Instagram and things like that. So that's been cool. Did you have did you have a role in Book of Mormon where you had to go off stage and, and do a quick change while still singing? Yeah, well, I was a swing, so I had to do all of all of it. Um, so every day was a different quick change for me. But there were certain ones like after Spooky Mormon Hell Dream, we were singing as we're getting stuff pulled off multiple tracks. There's like three or four that are like that, where you're literally getting things yanked off of you and you're still singing, which I can't imagine. So I'm like, how are you not hitting the mic when you take the wig (laughs) off and stuff? But you know, I guess sound mixing, they're geniuses. I'm trying to think if there's any other, any other times in that show where I did that, but I definitely know that moment. And there were a lot of moments where we'd be singing offstage, obviously, and kind of slowly putting on pieces and stuff as we went. Yeah. So, like, do you ever, like, have difficulties, like, trying to figure it out? Because, like you said, you kind of are just, like, in your, like, home and just, like, have that same background, yet you still make each and every one different. Like, what's the process of, like, the creation and, like, the ideas and then finding out how to execute it and everything like that? I honestly do my best ones when I'm kind of improving. I'm not going to lie. Like I'll literally open the app and start filming. And then I'll be like, oh, I should do like, you know, drama between this person or, oh, what if you left a prop? (laughs) What if I left my prop in my upstairs dressing room and I have to go run upstairs and get it? You know, like those kinds of things. People don't understand that Broadway theaters also like are so small. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them are so small that you have to go underneath and run up and down all these stairs. And so people love hearing about that kind of stuff too but yeah I just improv a lot of them I, I I have a list of like different shows a lot of people put suggestions also in my comments being like oh can you do when someone forgets a line or can you do when da 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 and so I'll usually just write mm-hmm. those down and be like at some point you know I'll, I'll figure out a way to put it together but I do kind of improv a lot of it in the moment <laughs> to just <laughs> let it happen honestly that's, awesome. that's, that's that's some of my favorite stuff to, to hear about like you said hearing about how you go off stage one end and then like 10 seconds later you have to be on the other end I love hearing about how people just have to run and I love how an entire show is going on and you don't realize that pretty much behind the scenes everyone someone is running someone is rushing (laughs) someone is freaking out while doing these quick changes and singing and all of that as they run like it's awesome and the fact that you're like shining a light on that is just so cool yeah thank you I appreciate seeing all of the responses and and you know shares and everything is really really special it's cool yeah also you're like oh, denny's waitress and waiter <laughs> like those videos are awesome i love those too because it's so like 
theater kid, you know, like yeah. it's awesome. Well, and I think what, what TikTok has shown me, and even if people did one show at their school or did community theater once or children's theater once, like we all have such shared experiences that are universal to theater everywhere. And I think people seeing people on Broadway now on TikTok, cause we, a lot of us are just chilling, you know? And so I think them getting to see some of the inner workings and see that like a lot of it is the same. Like when you go to Broadway, like it's a job, but a lot of it is the same. And and a lot of the joy and stuff is still there. Right. Cause it's not like, it may not be Denny's, but it's like Glasshouse Tavern. <laughs> like, right. Like, right. <laughs> so, so like there, it definitely like, uh, I don't know, like just the environment and like the, I guess routine kind of like carries on to mm-hmm. Broadway. Yeah. It, it all stays the same. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like a lot of people think Broadway, like all Broadway actors are super like professional and and like this oh I have to do this and this but honestly we're all just a bunch of crazy wacko goofballs <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, and your TikTok show it perfectly I, I saw one video that you made where you were like what I thought Broadway was going to be yeah and then another one like what Broadway actually was for you and it was just you having fun with your friends yeah yeah for sure and I think when when we're in educational theater and stuff too I remember telling my parents, because I was, you know, as a swing, I was a replacement and I was had to trail people backstage and watch their changes mm-hmm. and like watch their tracking and everything because it's very specific. So if like one dresser might like you to take your wig off and then your shoes and then another one is like, no, you have to take your shoes off then your wig. So it's very, mm-hmm. those kind of things you have to like pay attention to. But I remember telling my parents, I was like, I have been living my whole life in educational theater and stuff with people being like, don't talk in the wings, like don't don't talk backstage like da, da, da. and then on broadway like people literally are like singing off stage and they're like i believe and then <laughs> so you want to go get chipotle and da, 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 da. like i i thought that was crazy i was like like so i get why people are so confused on tiktok they're like is this really what it's like because i was shocked when i got there i was like is this like people are just talking in full voice backstage because the sound mixing and everything like they know when they can that it's not going to be heard and yeah not distracting so yeah. It's a lot of trust in everyone, uh-huh. honestly, especially the, the sound engineers. Yeah. So like recently, TikTok had kind of put together this Ratatouille the musical. <laughs> and I, I have so many questions about this. I, I'm curious as to what the process was like creating this virtual performance. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. Yeah. Well, A, like I saw it happening and I was like, this is so cute, but like not going to (laughs) happen. And then all of a sudden it was announced that it was. And I was a part of like, I created some videos of like imagining Ratatouille in the rehearsal room and all those kinds of things. So I felt somewhat proud because I was like a part of the trend as it was happening, but I didn't write any songs for it. I just used other people's. And so I became friends on social media with Dan Mertzloft, who ended up arranging all of it. And it's so talented and wrote Remember My Name and I think one of the other ones. But we became friends on social media and I literally saw it was happening and I just messaged him and I was like, hey, like, I'd love to be a part of this. And he was like, great, we need singers. And I'm proud of myself for doing that because a few years ago I might have been like, no, that's too tacky. But honestly, for anyone listening, it never hurts to ask. Like, as long as you're not cringy about it, just like, let it be known if you're wanting to be a part of something, a concert, a cabaret or whatever. So he was like, yes, we would love to have you. And at the same time, the choreographer, Elmer Scott, literally slid into my DMs no. and was like, hey, do you want to dance for a project I'm doing? And I was like, is it Ratatouille? Because <laughs> I'm already a part of it. I would love to dance for you. And so I don't think like she had known that I had reached out to the music team. So I'm really glad I got to do both. And it's actually really cool because I have auditioned for Eleanor a ton of times. She was the associate for Head of Her Heels, King Kong, Cats, um, Reefer Madness, The Labs that just happened, and um, just choreographed Little Shop of Horrors, The Revival Off-Broadway. And so she's now starting to do her own stuff, but I've been in the audition room for her so many times when she's been an associate, and I've always been like, this woman is so fabulous. Like, I've just always admired what she did. So the fact that she saw me on TikTok, saw that I was a dancer, a part of the community, and reached out was like, so cool i was i was curious because obviously like your dancing was on full display um, uh-huh. did you by chance like help choreograph it there were some improv moments for sure and so kind of what the process was like we it was 
quick, quick, quick. Like they reached out to us like the week before everything happened. And it was the week of Christmas. That was <laughs> when we were doing everything. <laughs> they literally, oh we had our rehearsals on the Monday before Christmas. So like the 21st, I think. Was it like Zoom rehearsals? Uh-huh. So I <laughs> went into a friend's studio and it was just uh, on Zoom, the choreographer, the associate, and then myself and Joy, who was the other dancer. And they just taught us everything super, super quick. I didn't really contribute choreography as much as I helped clean and finesse a few things. You know, it's it's that way with every dancer. They'll be like, oh, I like what you did there. Let's actually do like a slow roll and then fast or whatever. So we learned everything very quickly. And then I had a music rehearsal that night. And so they just sent us the sheet music. We sang in four songs, um, the ensemble vocalists. So we did like the opening the rat's way of life and then the finale and the mega mix at the end. And so they just sent us uh, the sheet music. And so we did a two hour zoom rehearsal, which obviously we didn't sing on. So they yeah. were just like, okay, so you do tenor one here. You sing tenor two here. Can you actually record both vocal parts here? You do the solo. Can you cut off on three, cut off on four here? And we just had to like plunk. I like, I was like, thank God that I can like kind of sight read because we had to kind of plunk out our own notes and record it with our mics into GarageBand and send them the raw vocals, which was honestly very like vulnerable for me. I was like, my raw <laughs> voice is just out there. Someone's mixing it with everything. And I don't know if my I even am singing the right notes at times. So we just kind of had to trust, like you said, the sound mixers and the editors, they're magic and they did their magic and we had two days to submit everything so it was due by oh my gosh yeah oh my god well it turned out fantastic (laughs) because it ended up raising over 1.9 million dollars almost two million dollars and there was actually an encore last night which for to hopefully reach that two million dollar mark i don't know if it's come out that you have or not but wait wait what what did you say um i don't know that's what i'm saying oh I don't know if it ended up reaching it or not. I don't know yet night. either. I hope so. I think they will. I do too. Yes. And they're selling a lot of custom, like playbills and merch and stuff too, I think. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's been, it turned out fantastic and it was for a fantastic organization that raised so much money for. So you, what you guys did in the time that you volunteered, it was a crazy two days, but it was definitely worth it. Yes, it was crazy. I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like or sound like. And then when it came out, I was like, I mean, you can tell it was a little bit quickly put together and everyone filmed videos very last minute, but it was still like magical. And I think it was just like nice and and raw and rough around the edges like a TikTok musical would be, you know? Totally. And I Yeah, true. I th- I loved the fact that like there were times where y- like you guys the dancers and Kevin Chamberlain that you guys kind of used some TikTok effects to like uh-huh. incorporate TikTok in it. I loved that. The clone I was like filters. that's genius. Yes. Yeah. I loved it. And and just like the way like there's not a lot of virtual like actual shows going on there's like cabarets and stuff like that so just to have something like this like during these times is it was just awesome to see i agree like bravo to you to get to be a part of something again like something Mm -hmm. bigger than my own videos like i got to be a part of a project even though we were all separate from each other so it was really special yeah totally so let's rewind a bit Mm -hmm. and let's go to the beginning when did you first want to be a performer? What first inspired you to be a performer? And how old were you? Yeah, I think I wanted to be a performer lo- much longer than I knew. Like, I didn't intend to go into it like a career. Because you both were child actors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you're like professional. Like, y'all have our <laughs> Tina's. Like, y'all are both. So yeah, I literally just grew up doing theater because I loved the community and like social aspect of it. I grew up surrounded by music and dance and my older sisters were doing shows and I had to be eight years old. That, that was how old you had to be to do your first show at the Children's Theater. Back oh in, yeah. In oh, that Maryland. is the most arbitrary rule. Right. I don't yeah, really. It's like for five-year-olds, for seven-year-olds, like they know if they want to do it, if they love to do it, there are right. They got to lower that age, honestly. I know. I know. And that was back in Annapolis, Maryland, where there was only a few community theaters. Now where I live in Wilmington, like I moved like a year after I did my first show. I did Charlotte's Web. I was Avery, the little bratty brother. Yes, period. Yes. So, um, (laughs) which is a musical. Like, I don't know. I've never seen anybody else do like a musical Charlotte's Web, but I I guess it exists. So anyway, I moved to North Carolina where there's a ton 
there just there isn't a professional theater here in Wilmington where I live, but um, a ton of community theaters, like fifteen or something. And so I did shows like year round, and I really just did it because I loved the community. And then basically, when I was like a senior in high school, then I was started auditioning for colleges. Like I that like one of my directors was like, there are conservatories and places to train, and I didn't even know that you could train in musical theater in college. I didn't like really put that together that I could actually do that as a career. So I kind of just went all in um, for the colleges, not knowing what I was doing, but I still did it. <laughs> was it always like musical theater? Did you kind of like see dance or like, did you have a thing that you did before college and then it kind of like grew into the musical theater? No, I basically just did. I, I don't think I, I might've done like one play, but it was always musicals. I never did competition dance or any of that. Oh, wow. Basically I would do like a once a week, like musical theater workshop thing. That was like an hour of jazz, an hour of tap. And it was very fun, but it wasn't technique based. So I didn't really learn techniques until I went to college, especially vocal technique was a not a thing that I knew. I would not have been able to sing with show weeks. I don't know how y'all did that at a young age. I could not have done that. <laughs> Just a natural triple threat, like not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and now for a brief intermission to prepare for the rest of the episode. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So wait, so you went to uh, Elon University, right? Mm -hmm. And you you obviously did their theater program. Mm -hmm. And after you graduated, you pretty, pretty immediately went into Book of Mormon. Can you explain what that audition process was like and just how quick it was? Yeah, yeah. I love telling the story now because it's kind of like, sounds like a Cinderella audition story. <laughs> but at the time, it was so stressful and chaotic, yeah. but in a good way. Unlike a lot of schools that do showcases in New York, we bring casting directors and agents to campus at Elon. And like, by the way, we raise all that money. Um, the faculty and school <laughs> helps like a little bit, but we raised like $20,000 to be able to do that. Oh, wow. By putting on shows, cabarets, fundraisers selling merch, you know, all those things being business, businessmen and women. And, and so basically we brought down a bunch of, you know, agents. That's how I ended up signing with my agent, CGF Talent. And we also do like workshops with the casting people. So we brought down someone from like every major casting office. So Stephen Copel was one of the ones that we brought down and he was an associate with Carrie Gardner who casts Book of Mormon. And so I guess he probably sent, I don't really know what happened. I guess he sent recommendations to them and five or six of us in my class all got emails from Book of Mormon casting to submit self-tapes. So we wow. submitted, uh, yeah, so we submitted stuff from the show, like scenes, sides, um, a song of our own, a tap of our own. And then we actually all got callbacks to come to New York City. And the callback happened to be the Monday after we graduated. So we graduated on a Saturday. And uh, I packed up my apartment the next day and flew to New York with a carry-on suitcase to go up for like a few days because I was scheduled to do shows at like the Muni that started like in a week, Main no. State Music Theater. Like I had like four months of work lined up. 
So anyway, I went up for this callback and we basically did all the material that we did for the self tapes, but also did like two different dance combos that they taught us, that the dance captain taught us. And then I got a callback for the next day and I didn't realize that they were looking, you know, when you're auditioning for a long running show, you never know. They didn't say they were looking for anything immediate or if it was tour or Broadway, like we didn't know. So I went to the callback the next day and it went really well. And then we also, the dance captain pulled me and two other people into a room and taught us an extra combo, which I later learned was kind of the swing test to see how detail oriented we were, how quickly we could pick up choreography. Cause when you're a swing, obviously you have to learn everything very detailed <laughs> and differently. So I really just honestly nailed it. I just felt like it was a great audition. Didn't know what was going to come from it. And then after I left that audition, that callback, I got a call from the head of my program at Elon and she was like, Hey, did you just go in for this casting director? And I was like, yes, I literally just auditioned for Book of Mormon. And she was like, okay, well, they were asking about you and for reference. And basically they were asking her because they were like, this kid is 21 years old. Like, can he handle being a swing? Can he hand, is he organized? And I was actually the head of my program's assistant at Elon. So I was the one responding to her emails, running audition days for her and all those things. So she was like, yes, he is one of the most organized people I know, he'll be there with color-coded notes. So I was like, okay, well now I have to live up to that. But anyway, so I knew that you were like really interested and my agents called me that night and said, basically you got it, but they are waiting for some people to sign off that they like videoed it and they wanted like Casey Nicola and other people to sign off. So I went, still went to another audition the next day because I didn't know if I, you know, I didn't know if I had gotten it or not. And I had an immediate replacement appointment for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the time. Oh yeah. Um, and I absolutely, I didn't blow it, but I just did not do well. I got cut immediately. I wasn't what they were looking for, you know? And I was like, okay, this is a little bit more what I've heard is New York and like the kind of, you go to an audition, you get cut like the normal. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. This is more normal. And I left after getting cut and I had a voicemail from my agents that I had booked Book of Mormon. And they were like, you'll start today at 3 p.m. So go to the theater, sign your contracts, and you'll start music rehearsals. <laughs> what? Yes. I was like, wait, what? why is it this last minute? I also didn't live there. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have anything with me. No, you just had a carry-on. Yeah. So it was crazy. And I jumped right in and I literally found a sublet and I, yeah, it just like, I started immediately and uh, it was really crazy. And I had to send my, I had to ship my key to my parents so that they could drive two hours to pick up my car that was at the airport in Durham, Raleigh and get my like car that had my entire apartment in it. And then at one point on a day off, I had like a Monday off and I flew down and like got the rest of my stuff. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was crazy. Oh my gosh, that's just one after the other. Yeah, it was wild. It, it was wild. How quickly after rehearsals and everything did you make your Broadway debut? I had about, because I was a swing, you have a little extra time to learn stuff versus when they're putting in someone who's just doing one role, they normally have like two weeks. So I had four weeks, which was really nice. And yeah, it was kind of, it was crazy because whenever, you know, for anyone who's done a replacement job like I was in the music room learning all of my harmonies just basically sight reading and he was like okay today we're gonna do this track that sings the bottom line here you sing the middle line here and then the second from the top in four parts or like you know it's it was very much like wild to learn so I would just record everything and then go home and drill it all and then with you know when I was learning all the choreography and the staging I was it was just me in a dance studio with a number line and the dance captain and him saying okay you do this move at at 12, cross to center, partner with this person, and then cross behind this person, but in front of this person as you go to eight. And like, I had to learn all that without anyone there with me. So it was like really wild, like making my debut was like a fever dream. It was like when I actually had to do it in front of an audience with all the elements and the whole cast on stage, I I was like, let's just freaking wing it, shove with love, we're gonna make it there. And you know, you learn to take yourself a little less seriously too, because you're like, I cannot be perfect at this because I haven't gotten a test run. Like we're just doing it. Right. So was it scheduled or did you find out last minute or did you know that it was good you were making that Broadway debut on that day? Kind of half and half. I ended up making my debut a week earlier than I was supposed to. So all of my friends and family booked 
flights and stuff and got tickets. I had like 10, 15 people coming to my debut and then I ended up debuting a week earlier. Oh my God. But you know what? I'm so glad because I didn't, I wouldn't have wanted everyone to see like my first ever like, but I did have five or six friends that all came in basically did standing room because I found out like the day before I think that I was going to be on. So ended up doing a completely different role too, debut. So yeah. Yeah. Wait, so just, just in case there's somebody out there who's listening to this, who doesn't know what a swing is and Mm -hmm. all that is required of a swing, which is so much. Can you explain to them what a swing is and basically what the responsibilities of a swing are? Of course. Yeah. Uh, It kind of varies show to show. I had to cover seven roles in Book of Mormon. So basically all of the Mormon ensemble. And so what you do is as a swing, you're kind of like an understudy for the ensemble so we're there at work every day but it was a really fierce job I mean I was there for two and a half years so I some days would come in and 15 minutes before the top of the show someone is stuck on a train underground and they're like boom you gotta go on and you know some days I hadn't shaved that day and I was like okay gotta like <laughs> yeah the Mormon look is very particular so I would like have to do my hair and all that stuff but yeah so you're there all the time in case somebody gets sick. Yeah, and then and then we have a lot of planned days that are vacation days, personal days, uh, you know, paid leave days, anything like that. A lot of dates are planned in advance, but a lot of times you're just like thrown on and you have to just be ready for it. Sometimes people go on mid-show or sometimes a lead gets sick and then an ensemble member has to go on for the lead. So then the swing goes on for the ensemble member. So it's a domino effect as well. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. But having to know all of the choreo, staging like props set changes quick changes vocal lines solos all that for each person um it's kind of like almost like a math equation but it also is hard when like you might do a matinee singing tenor one and then have to like recalibrate your brain to sing baritone for the next show oh my god and you're standing next to the person that you were that afternoon you're like i need to not i'm not that person i need to like get to this point you know it's crazy did you do anything to to stay organized and to make sure that you you i guess remembered each individual's part <laughs> well like the head of my program said i would be there with color-coded notes so i <laughs> was like i want to call this like the blue track this is the orange track this is the yellow track and i wrote it all into you know notebooks and in my sheet music i would highlight and i would like break down all of the roles and <laughs> Funny thing is that three months into it, they did this switcheroo where like one person was in an ensemble track and got moved to another and they brought someone else in for theirs. I guess like maybe they thought it was like an upgrade of an ensemble track. It wasn't really. Um, It was a little bit easier. So I guess that's the upgrade. But they had to change the vocal part. So I had learned that like the yellow track was, you know, baritone and the purple track was baritone or whatever and then i had to switch it and be like oh now the yellow track is a tenor one track and like like, that was hard because i had just started like two months before yeah i did color code it and i basically once i learned everything i put it onto cheat sheet note cards and i also drew out the formations and so i could literally flip through and this i did this all the time because i i didn't trust my brain enough to just go out there because you don't want to be thinking in the moment like second guessing yourself so it helps to just visually see it and so i would flip through before the show like each dance number and just flip through and follow okay right they go do 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 and and like so that i knew all of the numbers and so I would, you know, that helped to have those little chi note cards and I could even bring them with me around backstage if I got swung on at the last minute and needed to like have a refresher before I went on stage. How many tracks did you cover? I did seven. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Some shows have like, like Cats, I think there were like the swings cover like 12 to 15 roles oh, and like Cats, God. like How do you even know what you're doing? I'm sorry. There are shows out there that I think are even crazier that I can't imagine swinging. I don't know if either of you have ever experienced this, but sometimes when, at least me specifically, when I've been in a show for so long, it gets to a point where I forget what the actual script looks like. Mm. And so I can't visualize it. And when I get to that point, it can get easier for me to just forget the lines that I've been saying for years. Yes. and I can't and that's just my part like that's just that's just right. some, that's just one single part I can't even imagine that for swings yeah yeah I mean it keeps you on your toes and it, it really kept it fresh for me because there was you know certain people that don't ever get sick and are just really healthy and I will be going on for this track and realize I haven't done this in five months and like that would happen and I was like how 
how have I not done this in five months? Like it feels like a new show, a new debut all over again. So it really does keep it fresh because the people you interact with backstage and on stage and everything are different. And that makes it really fun. Swings what was really your favorite thing to do backstage? Well, we would watch, I mean, I've watched a lot of Netflix, played games. Um, we would have cute little kikis like after the show, like have our little bar moment. Yes. But yeah, during, I mean, I also became obsessed. I hadn't... Gosh, I can't imagine my life before Drag Race, but I didn't start watching Drag Race <laughs> until the summer I joined Book of Mormon. And as soon as I realized how obsessed I was with it, I backstage watched every season of the show, which now at this point, there's like 15. And so I watched every season and like would also have viewing parties backstage because like someone had a projector in their dressing room. So I'd go to the standbys room and we would hang out up there. So yeah, it was really fun. But a lot of times, specifically the first six months to kind of a year, I was either like, kind of trailing backstage I would watch the show a lot um as I got really comfortable I I would watch it maybe once a week if I wasn't on barely ever a week went by where I wasn't on for at least one show it was like probably two weeks out of the total two and a half years that I wasn't on like in a whole eight show week because people at Book of Mormon they've been chilling a lot of them have been there for a long time they have a lot of days accumulated and things like that and the company management is just so chill that they took a lot of time off and I was very active as a swing. And, and to be honest, I usually did between one to five shows a week. Like that was normal, like every week. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Which was so and fun. different tracks yeah. or like mm-hmm. of the same. No, d- always different. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. So it was just always a different show for you every single night. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the tricky part though, is that sometimes you like just got your food. Like you went to the gym, you like get to the theater and you're like, you know, eating dinner and you get swung on and you don't even have time to like eat food. Like you didn't operate yeah. your day. And that's the tricky part is you have to almost always plan your day around. Like I might be on tonight. Like that inconsistency consistency is kind of difficult sometimes, you know, yeah, you can't actually plan for it. No. <laughs> you just always, always kept on your toes. Always crazy. be warmed up, but you might just be sitting on your butt for three hours. Like, it's so right. <laughs> and then the off day where you're like, I don't think I'm going to go on today. I'm I'm confident, so I'm just going to – I hope I don't go on today. I'm going to uh, – like you said, yeah. I'm going to not shave and just <laughs> – Yeah, or you're, like, getting ready for, like – something that night and I might be putting on some makeup I don't know like (laughs) you know sometimes you're like backstage and you're just like chilling but like you have to be ready at all times for anything yeah right I do it again for sure in a heartbeat oh of course (laughs) yeah and now for a brief intermission to get a beverage go to the bathroom whatever you need after all we are at the theater well our home theaters but you get to just step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you, uh, in February, you did the world premiere of a new musical called Bliss. Uh Uh-huh. Can you talk to us a little bit about just, like, starting a show and, like, the tech process, the rehearsal process, and all of that fun stuff? Yes. So, first of all, oh my gosh, I love that show so much. I need it to come to New York. I mean, I think that's the plan, but obviously it depends. I mean, when is anything coming back as live theater? So it's just, it's just a time thing. But I got to be a part of, uh, like, I auditioned for it back in, like, August of 2018. I got cast in, like, the lab workshop development moment for a month. And that was really fun. Um, Also very challenging to come in every day with 
new script pages and oh hey we wrote a new song last night like it's like crazy but I ultimately like really really want to be a choreographer director choreographer but specifically a choreographer Mm -hmm. and so getting to be a part of the creation and seeing it work like that and also a lot of times they just trusted us and were like hey can you go in the corner and like figure out an eight count here and I was like yes so I got to contribute a lot of choreography to it that's still in the show so that's cool. And also because it was a workshop contract, not a lab, we actually have a stake in the rights and stuff still, which is really nice because that was before all of the lab agreements had come through. So yeah, and then I ended up doing a reading of it in the following May of 2019. And then that summer when we did the workshop, they obviously presented it to tons of producers and all of that shopped it around to theaters and Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle ended up picking it up. And so we found out that summer they just offered me the job. And at that point I had been in Book of Mormon for two and a half years. I I actually got approved for a leave of absence. So I could have gone and then came back. But I was like, I think I've done my time. I lined up some gigs for the following summer. I was going to be doing Newsies this summer, yes. this past summer. So I was like, I think I want to just spread my wings and audition for whatever I want to and just kind of be free to do that. And then obviously we we got through our whole few weeks of shows in Seattle. And I will say there were a lot of shows canceled at the beginning. We had to cancel like four or five performances because oh, no. the tech was crazy. And the set, it's like a fairy tale fantasy musical. Mm-hmm. And so the set was very elaborate and Mrs. Doubtfire was actually right before us doing their out of town there. And they extended their run a week, which meant they were a week later in building our sets mm. and putting it together. And so it right. just wasn't ready. And it would have been too dangerous to do with, with automation right. pieces, you know, not working properly. At the time, we thought it was like the worst thing in the world having shows canceled. And then lo and behold, <laughs> every show got canceled after that. <laughs> but we at least got through a whole run. They even added on some performances. But yeah, the tech process of that was grueling. Getting to see a show from like a studio version of it to its full fantasy spectacle. I got to play a freaking unicorn. I got to be a hip hop jester. <laughs> the show was like so good. And there's so few shows out there now that's a completely original story book, music, everything. So getting to be a part of that where they can literally take the show in any direction. They can totally rewrite it if they want to, and they probably still will change some things. But I'm excited for the world to like hopefully see it one day. Yeah, and also like you said that there's still choreography in it that you contributed um, to be able to look at it and be like, I did that. That's yes, like that's a little my ta- part. Ta- 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 ta. Yeah, it's yes. cute. <laughs> Does it help to in the creation of a show to have like the expertise of people like Mary Mitchell, Campbell, and Josh Prince, and all of that when starting a new musical? I've auditioned for Mary Mitchell Campbell so many times for like Mean Girls and Prom and all those, and so it was awesome that I got to finally work. Work with her and she and the whole music team took the music and like blew it up with the orchestrations and everything it turned it into something so incredible so getting to watch that happen and getting to work with the team that we were with was absolutely amazing like they truly got the best of the best for everything yeah yeah it's so funny because i know exactly what you're talking about when like watching mary mitchell i worked with her in finding neverland and i worked, worked oh, with josh prince in um trevor in chicago oh yeah yeah so we i i love watching them like literally josh prince was who i based my character off of because uh, he was just like I love watching him and like, yes. I could literally just, he's like a whole show in himself. Like, yep. you know, <laughs> he's fabulous. Yeah, seriously. So yeah, I mean like in doing like choreography and stuff from him and it's just so fun. And I know what you mean by like, he'd like trust you and like, he'll ask for your opinion and it, it just makes the whole room so comfortable and you can always come in every day, like trying new things and being confident in like the new choices that you make with people like that. Yes. It also like he trusted us because there's, so many amazing dancers in this show and people from Hamilton and all these shows. And he hasn't done a ton of like more hip hop contemporary choreography. So he did Mm. trust us to add our own spice and flavor to it and make it something really fun and special. So I love that he like trusted us to do that. Totally. You know, like you mentioned earlier, you were going to do Newsies last summer, right? Mm-hmm. And you were, were you going to play Jack Kelly, the lead? I was also going to be choreographing it. So and let's, you were yes. choreographing it. God, I don't know what I was thinking because now <laughs> thinking about it, I'm like, I don't think I could do it, sis. I don't think I could. <laughs> Did you start the process? We cast the show. I also like like I came for callbacks here, and it, it's like my hometown theater, so it was kind of like my 
return moment and you know equity contract all that they they did all the guest artist stuff and i also went to colleges like elon like my alma mater and cast a bunch of students from there as dancers and so it, they were bringing in like a ton of people which is a big deal here and so it was going to be really really cool and uh yeah and then it and then then it shut down but we we had cast everything already is it still going to be happening or no I mean, they still have the rights and I'm free and available. So like if things, you know, theater restrictions, if they find ways to safely do it. Um, we also have a big touring house here now too. So they could do like a distanced audience because no tours are coming through right now. So if they're able to do a distanced audience and the stage is really big, like I think they, they could come up with something really cool. So that'd be fun. And now giving it more thought, would you still do Jack Kelly and be the choreographer? I think I would have to pick one or the other just because the thought of running rehearsals and yelling and all that and yeah. then like Jack Kelly and yelling, he like yells the whole show. So yeah. I want to do both. I think also if I have a lot of time to prepare, I'm just going to come in day one off book and have every choreo thing planned as much as I can and then pass it on to an associate or an assistant and say, you run these rehearsals because I can't, you know, I think That's that would hard. be what happen. I wanted, I wanted to know what was something you wish you knew before you came to New York and pretty much threw yourself headfirst into the nonstop, <laughs> you know, work of a theater actor? Oh, that's a great question. I think in terms of Broadway, I think you need to remember that it's a job and it's a workplace. I came in very bright eyed and eager. You all might have felt the same way as like kids, you know, working with professionals. Um, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, but I was very wide eyed, eager, just like, hey, like, what are we doing? Like, you know, I was going into a workplace of a long running show that had been running for over six years. And so everyone was like, calm down, little boy, like, take a seat, like, you know, and so it was a little hard at times, but I also had to learn some lessons. I had to also learn that like, you have to operate your life around what you do that night. That might be someone's first time ever seeing a Broadway show. That might be someone's last time ever seeing a Broadway show. And so you have to recognize that like, even though you do it every day, like you deserve people paid a lot of money and you deserve to give people your best. And so don't be too ambitious with the social hours because I tried <laughs> doing that and it was not, it didn't work out. Cause sometimes I was like, I can't do that. So anyway, I learned that lesson very quickly on what I could and could not do and how to take care of myself better, prepare every day for what I had to do on stage. Um, and that's just a sacrifice that you make. But the beauty of being employed, like you are employed, so be happy about it and like do the work. Something I wish I learned a little bit earlier, and I don't think this is something that you can just like kind of have to work on it over time, I guess. But I spent so much of my life, A, trying to replicate what other people did and like their careers and sing like them and look like them and da 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 da, that I kind of wasn't allowing myself to be my true authentic self. And I also spent so much time caring about what other people think. I think that's the hugest thing that I've learned from like putting myself out there on this huge platform and social media is that like, no matter what you do, someone somewhere is going to have something negative or positive to say about it. Even if you live in the middle of nowhere with no Wi-Fi and cell service and like are hiding away, like someone is still going to say something. So you, sh you can't let someone else's opinions of you and perceptions of you force what you do basically and, and letting their perception of you direct your path because it's just not healthy, you know, and, and you, you have to be who you are. And I think like, that's a cliche statement, but like, once you really understand it, I've been doing a lot of therapy this year and working on myself and I'm like discovering all this amazing stuff. And I'm like, why have I shut myself off from so much yeah, for right. so long? Yeah. Oh, such good advice. Yeah, seriously. Okay, last question. When Broadway opens back up, if you had the choice of like any musical to start back in on, what would it be and why? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, I want to be in an original Broadway cast. That is obviously mm -hmm. a dream. That's everybody has that dream until they fulfill it because it is just really cool. And like, I got a little taste of that with Ratatouille and I was like, I get to be like a part of something like from its inception and bliss too. I would really love it to be bliss going to Broadway before Mean Girls closed. I probably would have said Mean Girls because that show is so fun. And I just, I love the choreography and love dancing in it, but it's not there. So out of the ones that are there on Broadway right now, probably Hamilton. Like I watched the choreo sure. and yeah. I just have never, I've never seen movement in a show that I have been so obsessed with like when I'm watching it on Disney plus and like when I saw the tour I'm not watching elites I'm watching the dancers they are storytelling yes. and it's so 
like smooth and precise and I'm obsessed. So I, I just want to be able to dance that show one day. I don't care what I play in it. Just throw me in there. <laughs> Every single move they have has a deeper meaning to it. It's yep. kind oh of gosh. crazy. And you, and even like I've watched it so many times, even, even still, I'm still noticing yep. things about it though. Like, Oh my gosh, did you see what that, did you see what that dancer just did with that? Like bullet thing. That's so cool. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it's so cool. Well, JJ, I could literally talk to you all day. Thank you so much for doing this. We had a blast. Do you guys have anything that you want to add before we go? Well, you can find me on social media. Yes. You know, I'll probably link everything. But honestly, if people have questions, I've been trying to make myself as accessible as possible for any theater kids or people out there that are just like curious about learning about certain things. So I'm doing lots of coachings online and my DMs are always open. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out. What are what are your at? So people listening to this can can go to your TikTok or Instagram. Yeah, it's just my name at J-J-N-I-E-M-A-N-N. That's the same on TikTok and Instagram. And then I'm available to book on Broadway Plus, Artists and Beyond, Broadway World Stage Door. Yeah, all those, all the good things. Everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is true. His DMs are open because I just shot him a DM and that's how yeah. he's on today. So yeah, exactly. yeah, he's definitely, it, thank you so much. Like, this is awesome. Thank and you go go check him out on all his social media platforms. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Take a bow, JJ Neiman. That was that was a blast. He he was so incredibly nice and he was just so lovely to talk to and he gave great insight as far as all things TikTok, even being a swing, which was something that we really haven't focused on on this podcast. We may have like talked about it briefly. So it was cool to hear his perspective of being a swing and kind of get the day-to-day aspect of the life of a swing and just the rehearsal process and everything like that. It was just a blast. So we can't thank you enough, JJ, for coming on. Yeah. Everyone, please, please, if you have a TikTok, go check out his TikTok. Or if you don't have a TikTok, get TikTok, then go check out his TikTok. <laughs> or Instagram. I'm sure he posts his some of his TikToks to his Instagram. He's such a lovely person and so funny, so talented, so creative. And it was so exciting to have him on. And it was so cool that he got to be a part of Ratatouille. And I loved what he said about if you want something, you know, don't be cringy about it. But it's it's important to reach out because what's the harm? Like if, if you want to do something, just ask. Just put, out, put it out into the universe. And honestly, with the way I can relate it to our podcast is a lot of times we want guests on that we don't think is even possible to get on. We have to remind ourselves it's it doesn't hurt to ask. And so we reach out and we end up getting incredible guests. I think another thing too, like JJ mentioned that when doing that, there's a, I guess, fear that you kind of second guess yourself as like a, oh, should I do this in a cringy way? Because he was saying that he would never reached out to the music director for Ratatouille like a couple years ago because he he was just like, he didn't have, I don't know, like he just, he wasn't comfortable with doing it. And something that this has definitely taught me was just to shoot your shot and like, at the end of the day, like we have to remind ourselves that like these people are people too. Like yeah. just because they've been on Broadway, like it's just another job. You have jobs too. When he said that, it kind of just like made me have that aha moment and even like reassure myself because even I to DM JJ was like, oh my God, should I do this? Like what? I don't know. Like what to do? Like, and yeah. like, I was like so nervous to do it. And then just like hearing that from him, it kind of like took a weight off my shoulder. So like, don't be hesitant don't be shy to reach out and you know you may never know like you can start a great friendship and True. some cool things may come out of it like this for instance yeah. <laughs> yeah this week there was a benefit event that was on last night so that was on sunday january 10th and it's called the 11 o'clock number and it was hosted by Laura Hayward, who's like Broadway girl, NYC. She's like a, a reporter and like a, just hosts a bunch of events and everything like that. But this game night was absolutely hilarious. It, it included guests like Annalie Ashford, Sarah Bareilles, Laura Benanti, Celia Keenan-Bolger, Alex Brightman, Telly Leung, Eva Noblezada, Reeve Carney, Andrew Reynolds. And then it had Take a Bow guest, Max Von Essen. Um... And it raised money for the Actors Fund, Black Theater United, and Project ALS. And just last night, they raised $18,000 for those three charities. So it was just a fun thing. It was a great way to just 
escape and laugh after this wild two weeks of 2021 <laughs> and just to just to have that and see like your favorite broadway people on a stage again and the whole game night was basically drunk pictionary oh so so we, it was hilarious and like the pictionary was all broadway shows so like they were trying to draw broadway shows it was oh. absolutely hilarious oh my gosh and that's also just a that's a group of legendary people right there right yeah i, I just had to mention it i know it like passed and like you can't go back and watch it unfortunately but it was definitely something that was so incredible and actually even on top of raising the money that they raised last night they're now going to post their, the the people who drew their picture for Pictionary. They're going to label it as, as what musical it was. They are going to sign it. And then they're going to auction it off in hopes to raise more money for uh, those charities. So keep an eye on that if you are if you're in love with any of those Broadway people. Kelly O'Hara actually made a guest appearance, but it was like in a video. It, she wasn't there in the event, but it was cool to see her face again. And it, Rob McClure. So like all of these people were there. And if you love them, go go check out their drawings that they made and you can get their signature and donate to a few great charities. Yeah. Should we turn it over to the drama dictionary? Shout out to Diana, right? For that. For yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. For Diana. that awesome name. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, our term of the week is, and it's something we talked about, which it's something we talked about on the podcast before, but it's something we talked about in this episode with JJ. Um, it's tech. Oh, I was wondering what that was. He, was. he did a drum roll. I thought someone was like banging on your door. No, no, no. no one's coming in, I promise. Tech is the in-between phase of opening a show and the rehearsal process of a show. So when you are starting a show, you don't have a set show already. So you kind of need to figure out all the technical side of things. Because obviously when you start a show, you're just doing rehearsals and you're kind of just focusing on the story that needs perfected, um, the choreography that needs created, the spacing and the lines and everything like that. And the music, your vocal, like JJ said, the harmonies and all of that. So you're all working on that. And then you add the technical layer. So then you go into a theater, the theater that you're eventually going to open the show in, and you are going to have this long process. And it takes about a week. And you have to basically do everything that you learned in like half the speed, like one eighth of a speed of yeah. what you did, because it's for the lighting designers. It's for the microphone and the sound mixing, and it's for the orchestra, and it's for all of these technical side of things, figuring out how this all works so we have to slow it down as actors and as the performers so that they can do what they need to do in that time so a lot of time it's when you're they go number by number or scene by scene and you'll be asked to stand in a spot and you'll hit your spot as soon as you move you'll stay in that spot and you'll they'll yell stop and then they'll get the light on you so that they know what the lighting cue is so that the next time you do it, the next time you move, they can just hit a button and it'll be like a effortless transition. So it, it's a lot of, like I said, little technical things, which is probably why it's called tech. <laughs> and it's for all of the crew and all of the orchestra and all of them. So it's a really cool and interesting process that, takes a bit and you definitely have to like slow it all down as an actor and then in previews or like the last day of tech is when you'll like finally have that full speed performance that you normally do with everything with automation with sound with lights with everything yes perfect exactly yeah it's literally just moment by moment and the amount of times that either it's the director or the stage manager or I don't even know says okay stop in that position and you just have to stand there and just stand <laughs> there for so long but you get to like kind of socialize with your other with your with the other people who are a part of it but you right. just have to stand there and then they're like okay go and you're like yes and then you <laughs> take one more step and they're like stop and I'm like, oh my god, this is so, this is so long. But it, no, it's it's super important. And 
obviously we as actors we have the easy part we just have to stand there like there are people who are actually doing all this work with our mics and our in the lighting and and it's so much harder for them i'm sure i'm sure but but yeah it's uh i actually quite like tech rehearsal honestly yeah it's fun and another thing too about tech is, is is it's great because you know when you are trying to figure out the logistics of the performance you kind of want to go full out as you're trying to learn it because you really want to get those muscle memories ingrained in your body engraved so when it comes to tech you know you've kind of like mastered the performance in the studio and you want to feel the space and everything like that but also tech allows you to have that vocal rest like you don't have to go full out every time and get that muscle memory because that's what you've kind of been working on for the last three or four weeks. So tech kind of is like Sydney said, like slow and gradual work, but it also is kind of like a reset for not only your body, but also for your voice, just to prepare you for the rest of the run, because you're going to open in about a week or two when you do tech. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's nice. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that during tech rehearsals, we do have to wear our costumes because I think they light based on the color of our costume and how it comp and how it looks against the stage, how it looks against our skin. So I'm pretty sure we have to get into, we can't just be in our normal clothes. I think maybe sometimes we're allowed to be in our normal clothes, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure at least fun home always. You like, totally do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally wear your costume. You, but you, like you said, like you can wear your normal clothes if it's just like something minor that like oh, maybe they had to pick up and grab and they just wanted to make sure that it's right or something like that. Obviously, you can just stay in your normal clothes. But tech is really just adding every single layer into the show that couldn't have been added because you were in a studio and you were just trying to learn the choreography and everything like that. And I know we talked about put-ins on the show before, and I think that was actually one of our drama dictionary words. Of course, it wasn't called drama dictionary at the time, but tech is very much like a put in for someone that isn't opening the show, you know, yeah. when they're like, because put ins, you very join true. and yeah. So it's like your own, a put in is kind of like your own tech rehearsal. Yeah. If that helps in making a relation to the two or understanding tech. Thank you for my spiel. I had like <laughs> five minutes on that one, but it's, <laughs> I hope it helps. So yeah, so yeah, that's tech. It's just adding the tech. So that about wraps up this week's episode. Again, we cannot thank JJ enough. That was a blast just to hear his perspective on things. And we obviously talked about some new things too, which was super fun. I hope you all enjoyed hearing a new aspect of theater and social media and growing a following and everything like that. So yes, thank you, JJ. And what you said was just so helpful and knowledgeable and definitely stuff that Sydney and I will take and hopefully the listeners as well but also just your joy and your presence was just a blast and I think that people are going to pick up from that by listening to this episode and we we've truly had a blast so thank you oh for sure yeah so thank you everyone thank you for listening and see you next week we actually did find out some great news, and unfortunately it came out after we recorded. We are happy to tell you now that it is official that Ratatouille the Musical has raised $2 million for the Actors Fund. So thank you to everyone who was a part of the Ratatouille Musical, who brought some entertainment to everyone, and more importantly, thank you to everyone who donated, because, I mean, that is such a huge thing, a huge number, and you're just going to help so many people, and it definitely supports a wonderful cause, so we can't thank you enough. Also, one more thing, if you're listening to this podcast Thursday, January 14th, which is the day that it comes out on all podcast platforms, at 7 o'clock tonight, Eastern Standard Time, JJ Neiman is going to be singing in this virtual concert with George Salazar and Harada and so many more Broadway stars. And that is definitely something that you can look out for. Go to his Instagram. We gave it JJ Neiman. Look him up to follow along and get that link. And also, it's a free event. So anyone can watch. Anyone is encouraged to watch and get some entertainment. They will be raising money for the Actors Fund, but a donation is not required to watch. So if you're interested, 7 p.m., go check it out. 
sick beat, am I right? For our curtain call, we wanted to give a few special thank yous to Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon for our amazing music, Giselle Bustos for designing our logo, and Tessie Tokash and Sydney Lucas for editing our episodes. Feel free to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are currently listening to us from. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and Katie Rosen at the Broadway Podcast Network, as well as our top patrons, Henry Friedman, Brian Thompson, PCC, and Patrick McNamara. Speaking of, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Take a Vow, go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash TAB and become a patron today. Through our Patreon, you will form a relationship with us and get an inside look on what goes into this podcast. To learn more about this podcast, visit bpn.fm forward slash take a bow and follow us on Instagram at take a bow podcast where you can contact us with any feedback, suggestions or questions and keep up with all things take a bow. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.